Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Amen. Uh, wow. I mean, I, I got something to say. I mean, obviously the Lord put a message on my heart, but listening to Pastor Chris, it just inspired me. I mean, many of you know, I served the youth pastor here at Kingsway for just about 10 years, and my wife, she served as well as a youth pastor. That's what we thought our ministry was, and it was for a long time. And I think back to those times, and I watch Pastor Chris now, and I just, I count it all joy. I count it a blessing. You know, there are churches all around Baltimore closing their doors, right? If, if they don't fill a sanctuary like this, they say they're not successful. They just close down, right? So, so there are those churches, and then there are churches that are doing fine, but, but they really have no outreach at all to their youth, to the next generation. Um, they may have youth leaders that casually do a Bible study or something, um, but to have a committed, dedicated, on-staff youth pastor at a church this size is an absolute blessing to pour into our children, to pour into the parents, to pour into our ministries. But I'll tell you one other thing before I go. You can hire a youth pastor. I mean, you literally, you can go to a webpage, you can put up a job requisition, you can get some resumes, you can apply some money to it, and I can bring a youth pastor in here. That I can do if we had the money for it. But, but I cannot hire the heart of a man and a woman like Jesse and Chris to pour into our children the way they do. You can't hire that. That is something that God sets up. That is something God calls him to. And I was here, I remember the day Pastor Chris walked through those doors. He wasn't a pastor. He was a young man. And he walked through those doors and, and he, he went back into the gym. And him and I played ping pong till wee hours in the morning. And I said, this is, this is some guy I keep an eye on. And then it was maybe a couple months later, we were doing service in here. We used to do youth service in here. We had 60, 70 kids in here worshiping. And Chris was sitting right there. And after service, he sat me down. And he says, what does it take Pastor Sean, what does it take to be a leader? Wasn't that an amazing question to get from a teenager, a grown teenager? Yeah, well, I hope you're answering that question for all your leaders, Pastor Chris, because he knows now what it takes. And it isn't all easy. And sometimes it requires a week of all-nighters and a weekend. I can't even believe he's here. He's got to be exhausted from camp all week. So thank you all for supporting our youth. Thank you for supporting our youth group and Pastor Chris and Jesse. And uh, I tell you, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing, and we should keep our ears out for the partnership that Chris is talking about as we go forward. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for our youth this morning. I pray for our children. I pray for our parents, those with children, those trying to rear up the children in, in the ways of the Lord, in the fear and the discipline of the Lord. I pray for them right now. I pray for the good decisions that they're going to make. I pray, Lord God, for the difficult and tough decisions they're going to make. May you guide them and may you instruct them. Father God, as you prepare our children for yet another year of school, as we're, we're getting into August here, Father, I pray that you would shape them and mold them, bring their friends, Lord, the positive influences into their lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that you direct the right teachers and classes in their situations. And Lord, I pray that you continue to rise up the great fruit that you have in our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, so we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to finish up this series um, that we've been preaching for the last couple of weeks, the Just Ask series. And it starts with this question that I just ask you. How do you view your God? 
I mean, we've been going through this series. I, I wonder if it's changed your viewpoint on God as we've gone through. But how have you? I'll also tell you something else. Something happened throughout this series with some of our uh, uh, technology and whatnot. And so th- these aren't on podcast anymore. Well, and I don't know if they'll make it on the podcast. So if you've been in these series, you've heard it. You've got to have something. You have something special. And I believe the Lord is speaking to you directly this morning. So I want you to focus and say, you know, where has your perception of God changed over the last year or so? How's it changed over the last couple of weeks as we've done this series? Do you really believe that God is good and that he's doing something in your life? Do you believe he's capable of giving you good gifts? Do you believe that God is this all-knowing and all-powerful God? And with that knowledge and with that power, he actually wants to pour into your life and help you as opposed to being this punishing, vindictive, and judgmental God. You're the God that we see as as one who smites us in everything that we do that's wrong. Now, unfortunately, this is the view that many people, many Americans have all across this land that that I can't serve God because, because he's going to restrict me. He's going to take away from me. He's going to punish me. He's going to turn me into this person, this goody two-shoe that, that I don't want to be, that's not exciting, that's not fun, that's not the life I want to live. Really? That is not the God we serve. In fact, in fact, all of those attributes apply to this world, our culture, our society, and the enemy. Just last night, while I was sleeping, not one but two more mass shootings here in the United States of America. 20 in El Paso, Texas, with another 29 injured. Nine in Dayton, Ohio, shot and killed yesterday. Now we're up to multiple mass shootings in a single day. You want to be restricted, restrained, held back, destroyed, brought down? God's not your problem. This world is. We got to have a better opinion of our Father in heaven. He blesses not because you are good or that you are capable of good or that you do good. He blesses because he is good. All the time and all the time he is good. Yes, he is a judge, and yes, there are laws, and yes, there are repercussions, but he's also a merciful father, and he has paid the price for our repercussions by bringing you into his family and taking Jesus Christ and allowing him to die for you and me. That's the gospel message, amen? But, but that renders God as our father in heaven who is capable of good gifts, and so this whole series comes out of Matthew chapter 7 where we see this image of God the Father giving good gifts to his children. It opens with this line, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, even if you don't have children today, you can understand the ability of parents to give good gifts to their children. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I love to give good gifts to my children, all of them. I I mentioned over and over again me stopping at the airport stands, buying stuff for my kids, the the dollar stuff or whatever. Um, you know, but it, it, it's, what, it's all types of gifts, right? So my son Griffin, he loves uh, helping me around the yard and doing housework or whatnot because he knows if he does it long enough, he catches my attention, then I'm going to give him a piece of candy or I'm going to give him, you know, an apple on the iTunes store or something. And he's, he's so thrilled with that. 
And I love giving those good gifts to him, you know, and I, I love him being around me and spending time with me, and it, it's, it's very much a symbiotic relationship. God wants that with us. God wants you to pursue him, and he wants to pursue you. You know, I, I, uh, this week our kids were at camp, and so we took Griffin um, to uh, just a mom, dad, and Griffin day. He doesn't get much of that. He's one of four, so he gets... You know, he gets lost in the mix sometimes. And so we took him um, to Dutch Wonderland, and we got to have a, a good time with just him that day. And, of course, in the middle of our trip, or actually quite early in our trip, it started thunderstorming and raining. And so now we're caught in the rain, and we're drenched. It was one of those days where are just like, oh, man, not now. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to do something for him, so we went off, and we got him this little toy. Uh, it just cost a couple bucks. It was on clearance. It's one of those plastic drones, and he was really excited to play with it. So as his kids were at camp, we were home, and we got to play two days with this little toy, and, and he got mom outside yesterday. He's like, I want to play with this toy, and so mom and I are out there, and we're playing with it, and of course, you know, dad has to, like, show him how it's done, of course. Wait a minute, you're not playing with it right it could go faster and higher and better let me show you so i grab it and i pull it man and the, the the thing goes flying into the sky and meanwhile i have like the part in my hand in two pieces i ripped it right in half you know i want to give good gifts to my kid and so the first reaction is ah, i gotta fix this i want my kids to feel love i want them to feel like 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 i'm there to help them and protect them not to break their stuff not, not to punish them after giving them something good. God's the same way. He doesn't want to give something to you and then punish you and break it and take it away. Amen? So he fixed it, and we continued to play for it, although Dad didn't pull it anymore. You know, and there's another example of this whole good gifts concept. Uh, so my kids came home. They saw that toy. And my, uh, one of my kids knew that I had gotten something for them and was very excited, was expecting it to be something awesome. I don't know. And uh, this particular child is, she's suffering from an ailment and, um, and on her foot. And, and so I got her something to help her with that, to help her with the pain. I knew she was struggling. And so I got her something that I found online. It was really cool. And it was this like, you know, stay the art thing. And I wanted her to, to use it. And so I unveiled this gift to her. I know it's what she needs. And she looks at me like, what? <laughs> really? You, you got me something for my foot? Dad, I thought you loved me. You see, it's what she needs. It will help her. I know it's good for her. I want her to be better. I got her what she needed. God's the same way. He wants to give you good gifts. Sometimes we don't receive it. Sometimes we don't even want it. And so that sort of inspired this series called the, the Just Ask series. And it's not about asking your parents or asking someone else for something, but it's about entering into a relationship with God where you are comfortable, you are capable of asking him. Getting into serious conversation where you ask him for what you need and what you want. And you guys can have a back and forth interaction with you and God the Father. And why don't we do that? Why are we so uh, resistant to asking God for things? Because we're not good enough maybe, or because we're scared of rejection or embarrassment. Or, or we're just too lazy or busy. And we, we've talked about this over and over again over the last couple of weeks for a lot of reasons. And so we've gone through this just ask, and we've broken down each one of these letters. The A is for asking God. The S was for seeking God. And now we're on the K. What is the K about? I know it's not knowing God. It's knocking. 
That's what Matthew chapter 7 says. Do you know any bad knock-knock jokes? I mean, this sermon could have went sideways real quick because there are a lot of really bad knock-knock jokes. Like, I'm scared every time one of my kids say knock-knock about what they're going to say. You know, the orange, the orange, the orange, banana. Aren't you, aren't you glad I didn't say banana, right? And, you know, and they get them wrong half the time. But today, instead of telling you any, because they're not as funny when I do it, I figured I'd just show you some bad knock-knock jokes and just get them out of the way. Knock-knock. Who's there? Knocking. Knocking who? Knocking now. Who's there? Lip. Lip who? Lips on the mouth and the Knock, knock. Who's there? Wolf. Wolf. Wolf behind you eating you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Chalk. Chalk who? Chocolate milk. On the cow, it's cow milk. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange when didn't say banana. <laughs> that wasn't one of my kids. Knock, knock. Jokes. Why is it that you don't like them or... Why is it that we don't say them? Or why is it that I'm irritated about them? I don't know, because I get a lot of that. It's cute when they're coming from kids, perhaps. But you never know what you're going to get with a knock-knock joke. You never know how it's going to go. And that is what makes this episode of this series so interesting. The asking part, we got down. We understand what it is to ask, and it's free. It's easy to ask. The seeking part, last week we talked a lot about of going into search mode and what it means to seek God. And, and we're familiar with that process of seeking. But knocking, knocking, you never quite know what you're going to get. And so Matthew chapter 7, it lines up like this. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. So before we get into the knock, I just want to tee up how this is laid out. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be opened. Each step is a progression. Each step is something more to do. Each step is more intense. It's levels of intensification, if you will, as we look at this. And ask, we need to be a bold asker. We learned that last two weeks ago. To seek, we need to learn to go into seek mode and allow our, our spirits to seek the will of God. And we learned how to do that last week. And today, we're going to talk about knocking, which is harder to do than ask or seek. It's why often we don't do it. Knock, a personal encounter. So let's look here. It says, knock and the door will be opened. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 7. You see, with asking, it's very personal. You could do that in your room, you could do that in your car, you can do that while you're quiet, you could do it in your mind, you could do it with almost no effort. Seeking. Seeking is also a personal thing. It's going on your personal spiritual journey and, and you looking for those things that you want to find. And we talked about how God will help you find those things. We talked about that in the past weeks. It's, it's also pretty personal. 
But once we get to knock, we're getting, we're getting serious now. Because knock is a physical action. Knock's an action that will involve something more public. It will involve probably a personal encounter. Knocking, in fact, it's hard to do. It's not hard to do if you're going to a friend's house. Like if I was going to see Miss Wilma and I said I'm coming over for lunch today and I knocked on your door, I'd expect to see you. We come in and have tea or something. Um, but if I'm going to a stranger's door and I knock, how many of you knocked on a stranger's door before? Any door-to-door salesman? Okay, we have some. You never know what you're going to get at a stranger's door. You never know who's going to come to the door. You never know if they're going to come to the door, if they're going to shout to you from the other side. You never quite know. And so if you knew you need something from that door, something from the other side, and you begin to knock, and they don't answer, you know, what do you do? You, you knock more. And if you know they're in there, and you know you've got to talk to them because there's business you have to have or something, what do you do? You knock harder. It's progressive levels of intensification. That's what knocking's about. Now, I'm going to give you the main point of the sermon before I get into the how. I'm going to give you the what. The main point of the sermon. God has so much more in store for you. There is so much more possible in your life that you have yet to experience. The Bible says that all things are possible. It says elsewhere, nothing is impossible. You know, if you turn on Netflix these days, there's like 10 different versions of the same story. This story where human beings want more out of life, so they go into outer space and try to find a planet where there's more. And God is saying there is so much more available for you right here on earth. So why do we limit ourselves? Why do we get stuck in the same ruts we are every single day, all the time? I believe it's because simply said, we won't go out of our way to ask God for what we need and want. We won't seek him when we don't get it. And when we can't find him or we don't find what we're looking for, we won't step up to knocking. The Bible makes this so clear. What's in store for you? Is that biblical? Is this me just pumping you up and cheerleading you this morning? Or is there something to it? I just want to remind you the verses. We've gone over them in the series, but they're so important. Let's look at them one more time. The first verse is here, Jeremiah 33.3. Take a look at this. It says, call to me and I will answer you. I will show you the great and mighty things which you do not know. God has great and mighty things in store for you. I don't know what they are. In fact, in your wildest dreams, you don't know what they are. And how many days do you wake up and your craziest, wildest dreams come true or even better? Maybe it happens if you're lucky once in your lifetime you call it a miracle. But God wants this to be something that's part of who you are. Great and mighty things. It doesn't end there. 1 Corinthians, New Testament. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You love God today. God has something in store for you. You know, it it brings me back to this door. You go knocking on strangers' doors. You go knocking on a door you don't know what's on the other side. You really never know what you're going to get. It will come to you as a surprise who comes to that door. How they greet you. What they say. And maybe it's a welcome surprise. Maybe, you know, 
uh, Pastor Chris, we don't do this too much anymore, but there was a time, uh, and I, I can't remember his name. I, I thought it was Ron. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but he, he used to hand out all the tracks to, with Ron, right? And, and he, he would store all these tracks out there. And on Saturdays, he would get a group of us together, um, and we would go door to door to door to door, knocking on the doors, handing out these tracks. You know, as a young guy, I just thought, hey, that was my job. Knock on the door, whoever comes, pay him no attention, give him the track, say, thank you, Jesus, God is good, and walk away. But it never went down that way. I cannot imagine the types of things that took place that did. We knock on the door and people come, you give them a track, they start breaking down and crying, and, and they ask for prayer, and you pray, and you can actually see things change right there, right then. That happened many, many times. God has amazing things in store for you. He can teach you new things. He can bring you new ideas. He can teach you new levels of his grace. Have you asked for it lately? Have you sought after it? See, the reason why we don't experience these things, and we've talked about this before, well, it's because of sin. It separates us from God. And in many ways, some of us pursue sin or are inflicted by sin in our daily lives, and we need to get out of that, that, that those, as the Bible says, wicked ways. We need to change those ways and, and, and begin to pursue God with the same passion that we pursue the things of this world, as Chris was saying. Let's look at it this way. And, and I got this one for you, Pastor Chris. I know you know this verse by heart. It's Galatians chapter 5. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back? I believe this is speaking to many of us today. We're here in this church. That means we're pursuing God. Many of you have a deep Christian history. That's why you're here. Maybe it's in this church. Maybe it's somewhere else. You've pursued God, and you were doing so well. And God is saying to you in a small whisper of your voice, he's saying, you were doing so well. Who's holding you back? Now, he knows, but he's asking you, who is holding you back? Every one of us today has someone Something holding us back. Why? Because we're human and we're attached to this planet. It isn't until our spirits are free and we're in heaven that we will not be held back. But while we're here on earth, the question is, who is holding us back? Why don't we see these limitless things? Why don't we see these things unimagined? Why? I want you to think about it for a second. The parable of the sower. You know this parable, right? It goes, Jesus says, he cast the seed on the ground and, and, and some of the seed, you know, went onto the rocks and the birds came down and picked it up. And some of the seeds went in and grew up real quickly, um, but then they withered away because they had no root. Some of the seeds, you know, went deep, but then they grew up and, and the thorns, uh, you know, were able to, 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 to destroy the, the plants and the fruit. All are examples of how each one of us hear the word of God, but we do not let it take root. Something holds us back. But the point of this sermon isn't that specific person or that specific thing. The point of this sermon is how do you view God? Because some people, many people believe the thing that's holding them back in life today is God himself. And so this verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it says, who is holding you back? It then says, well, it's certainly not God. He is going out of his way to get your attention this morning. He's going out of his way to, to, to bless you with good gifts from above. He's going out of his way to be your father. Can you be his child today? Can you allow him to do what he wants to do for you? 
Can you ask bigger, more possible? Can you enable your search mode? And can you do this third thing when those two things aren't enough? When those two things, sometimes we ask God gives us. Done. Sometimes we ask he doesn't and we move to the second thing. We begin to seek him and we allow our spirit to search him. And God answers our prayer and he moves in our life. Done. But when those two things aren't enough, what do you do? What's the third level? What does it look like? That's what this sermon's about, a level of perseverance, a level of persistence. It's no wonder I'm preaching to this crowd, the smaller crowd, the non-vacation crowd, the crowd that wants to hear the deepest things of Scripture. Here it is, right here. The verse says, Matthew 7, 7, ask, you receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. That's what it says in most translations. That's English. If you have, uh, you know, New International Version, New Standard Version, New King James Version, it says that. If you go back to the Greek and you look at the words and the way they were said, there's, you know, they're translated differently depending on the version you have. And it's very important to look at the tense here. And if you're an English major, you will appreciate the present imperative, which is the way this verse is said. And, and in the most recent versions of the Bible, they translate it you know, more correctly. It actually is translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. This is not something you need to do in the future. This is something you need to do right now. Jesus is saying it as, uh, how do I say it here? Let me think of a modern-day translation. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the kids, when they score a goal or something, they're like, let's go. You hear this all the time. My kids say all the time, like, where are we going? They're always saying, let's go. It's like, right now, let's go. Let's do this right now. Let's have it. Let's make it happen. Let's keep doing it until we win. Let's keep on asking. Let's keep on seeking. Let's keep on knocking. It's a level of persistence. Three levels. Ask, seek, Knock, each one progressively more intense. Are you following me? Pastor Sean, it sounds like you're off the beaten path here. You're making it more out to what's not there. I mean, these versions don't even say that. It does say that. It's in your little footnote. You have to read it. Or you go back and, and read one of the bigger Bibles with uh, the commentary. It's in there. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. But I'll give you something. You don't even need to go look at all that deep stuff. Because often in Scripture, when there's something really important, it's repeated in multiple Gospels. This one is Matthew 7. It's also repeated in Luke chapter 11. If we go back to Luke chapter 11 and look at it, we're going to see something like this. That is a man knocking on a door very late at night. Who wants somebody to knock on their door at midnight? Anybody? Would you answer it? Today's day and age? Here's a more important question. Say you were in need, you were in desperate need. Would you knock on a stranger's door in a neighborhood you've never been in at midnight? You have? What? I, want you, I want you to think about that for a second. Who's going to answer? How are they going to be when they answer? They're going to be rude. They're going to come out with a gun. They're going to call the police on you. The same verse is in Luke chapter 11, and right before the verse about keep on asking, keep on receiving, keep on knocking, it says this, 11, verse 5, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just came for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose the guy calls out from his bedroom, really? Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. It's probably how it would go down. Verse 8, but I tell you this, and this is Jesus talking. 
though he won't do it for his friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Then verse 9, so I tell you, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Jesus is saying, make no mistake, human beings have a problem with perseverance and persistence. So God has set up a system to ensure our persistence, one that starts with asking, then moves to seeking, and then ends with knocking. I had a knock on the door one night. It was, it was after midnight, it was about one o'clock, in the middle of nowhere, halfway between here and Pennsylvania. I was in a car accident. I've shared with you, maybe I need to do that testimony again. It was an almost tragic car accident. I basically had to crawl to a stranger's house with no lights in the middle of the woods because it was the only house there and knock on the door. And I'm sure, I'm sure the little old lady who was there thought it was more like this. Some random criminal, stranger, burglar was knocking on the door. Should she open the door? Should she not? I didn't care. I knew this may be the case. I wanted her to call the police. I needed help. This was back before cell phones. I wanted her to call the police. But she opened that door. And that testimony, I tell you, is, well, it's miraculous. I got to keep going. So what's the point? The point for me, the point for this verse, the point for this sermon is persistence, church. It's not a special set of words. It's not how good you are. It's about you allowing your spirit to be persistent. This says firm and obstinate continuance in the course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. The King James uses the word importunity. I don't know what that word means. I don't use the word importunity. I use opportunity all the time. This is importunity. Importunity, it means to have a shameless audacity. It means to keep asking until you've frankly annoyed the person or you've intruded into their lives. This is about doing. This is about an action. In spite of all else, this is about you having an intense desire to pursue God, to literally knock on something until the door is answered. In fact, men who get angry and frustrated and want to punch something, this is the one time in the Bible over and over again it says to strike, to strike, to strike, to strike the door, to strike it with your passion and your vigor. You know, it's really, really hard to knock one time. You ever tried that? Just, I don't know, go to a door. You know, you're going up to see somebody's home and, and you go up to the door and you're just like, hey, you're home. No one's coming. Knock again. Okay. If you heard that in your house, you probably wouldn't come. Everyone knocks three to four times. Why is that? Because it's ingrained already in your spirit. It's ingrained in your DNA. It can't be once. It can't be twice. It has to be three or four times. Determination, persistence, is doing more. Progressive intensification. I know, I know this is a, a deeper sermon. And I know you guys are tired and you want me to end, and I will in about, about three minutes I will end. But I want you to get the point here. This is not about giving you a special formula to go home to spiritually knock in your spiritual closet a certain way with wrapping a certain way and God comes down from heaven with a bright light. That's not what this is about. This is about seeking God with all you have 
all you know and realizing that God is still not responding to you. You have not found what you're looking for because God's not just going to lay it in front of your lap. Sometimes he requires you to do more. And when we persist like this, when we pursue, it reorients our mind. It, it helps us begin to recognize as we're praying, we're praying, and we're praying, we realize, wait a minute, God just did that. Wait a minute, God did this. Not what I asked for. It's not what I sought for, but he did do this, and he did do that. I'm on a road to somewhere else where he's taking me. I can begin to see it. I don't know how it's all working together. You see, you couldn't do that in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your own life. You can only do that with constant persistence. Sometimes it's just asking, and he gives you. Sometimes it's asking and seeking, and he does for you. Sometimes it requires this third thing. And persistence is doing more, and it's about your heart. It's to change your heart, not his. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. This is about something that's taking place in your heart. Do you have what it takes? Do you trust God? Do you believe he's a good, good father that you will keep asking? All of my kids believe I'm a good father. And when they want something, they ask me and they seek me and they knock on my door literally at midnight over and over and over. And they know I'm going to answer even when I desperately don't want to. And we please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. And they keep knocking. I get up. Do you see my point? This is about changing the hearts and minds of each one of you, of all of us to overcome our insensitivities about who God is, to express our intensity of need, not just for 30 seconds or one day or one month. The story that Maddie shared about the woman at the well, that was about seeking, asking, and knocking. This story is about asking for bread, seeking the man, knocking on the door. Sometimes it requires you to be very immersed. And here's the one thing I learned, and I want to share this with you before we close. Why knock? Why that? Well, when I thought about it, I think the Lord shared this with me. The other two things are personal and they're private. Knocking takes your experience into the public. When you knock on a door, you involve someone else. You take something very personal and now you bring it into someone else's life. And that door is opened. You've now opened your life to something bigger than your private uh, 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 your private life. You're now involving either someone else or some other thing. And, and when you knock on a door, you know, it's loud and people can hear it. You know, there's a, a shameless audacity to doing it, this Bible says. He says that this person went at midnight knocking on the door. You know, I think about it like this. How many times when we are really pursuing God, when we really need God to do something, how many times we have a shameless audacity in public? How many times are we willing to, to, to pray in public for what God is going to do? Or we see God's about to open a door, and instead of just watching it, we begin to give glory for God for doing that in public. A shameless audacity. A shameless persistence. Sometimes God requires that from you and from me. That may look like an 11- or 12-year-old little girl coming up and reading, you know, what God has done with her life, trembling the whole time every word she's saying. Or partnering with a youth that's about to do something to change their life and praying with them and sharing with them. A shameless audacity. You're telling your boss, I can't work on Sunday because I'm going to church. One more story. Can, worship team, can you help me close? You know, as I 
was putting this together, I asked the Lord for something that I could just send this home for you guys as you're thinking about this. And so I looked up some stories about people with some shameless audacity, willing to go the next step, willing to just continue to pursue. And I found this man. This man, his name was Hudson Taylor. Some of you may know, Miss Shirley may know this man. I had no idea. He's from the 1800s. He's a missionary. And Hudson Taylor, um, by the history books as they're written, suggests that he had one of the broadest missionary uh, reaches of everyone in Christendom, second to only Paul himself. And I don't hear about him in the Bible because this was way after the Bible. He sailed and got boats to sail all over the world, mainly the parts that hadn't heard the gospel, like to China and various parts of Asia. And he went to share all these things, and, and many people were brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But this story happened on one of those trips, and so I wanted to share it with you. It's about taking this ask, seek, and knock, translating it into our, our, our faith, our focus, and our follow-through. And so he got on one of these boats on the way to China. And he sailed, and he heard an urgent knock on his door. He opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. Mr. Taylor, the captain said, we have no wind. We are drifting toward an island where the people are heathen. I mean, I fear they are cannibals, and we will die. Mr. Taylor said, well, what can I do? The captain says, I understand that you believe in God, and so I want you to pray for wind. All right, says the captain, but I have something for you to do as well. What? Anything. You must set the sail. The captain says, that is ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze out there, and there hasn't been for hours. The sailors will think I'm crazy. But finally, Taylor persisted and persisted and persisted. And the captain said, he'll do it. He had no other choice. They were miles away from this island. He agreed. 45 minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. Do you see my point? Do you see my point? Life throws us so many obstacles, so many challenges, and we pray this simple little prayer before bed or at lunch and, or, or at church on Sunday morning at the altar, and we expect God just to fix it. Then we hear this sermon series, and we say, oh, I'm going to seek God, and we spend a week reading devotions and singing songs in the car. God, I'm good enough now, right? It's not about you being good enough. It's not about a devotion or a set of songs or a certain prayer that you're going to pray. We did a six-week prayer warrior class. Part of it was to see if you could get through six weeks of hearing about prayer. Are you ready to be persistent? What if other people are telling you no? Other people won't do it. Persist, persist, persist. Push those people out of your life. Do not let them hold you back. Flood your life with people of influence that will influence you in Jesus Christ. Influence you in spiritual things. And then when you have no other answer and when you know nothing else will work, Knock, make it public, raise the sails even though there is no wind. Knock as loud as you can and say, I expect God to open. Oh, and he will.
We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.